It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. But, you know, still, he's yakless. Oh. He's the yakless wonder. He is. My God. Good job, Zach Ertz, baby. Love it. Ertzy, babe. Ertzy, babe. Whether it's the fighting Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. God damn it, I love Chase Utley. And John Mita. Terry Williams, do me a favor. For one week, can I not talk about you? It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. It is the NFC Championship edition of the Brotherly Love Podcast. Episode 102, Joe O'Donnell here, John Mita there, much closer to the pulse of Philadelphia. Johnny Mita, how are you, my brother? Oh, feeling great. How can you not be feeling good, man? Totally amped up for this week. Uh, the birds pull out a tight one, and uh, man, the city's ready to explode, Joe. Yeah, as well it should be. Um, let, yeah. I, I, I want to go right there. I want to go right to last weekend because you I didn't have sound on for that game at all at any point. First half, I had other business to take care of. I was kind of watching from afar. Second half, I was locked in, but no sound at the sports bar in lovely Winnipeg, Manitoba. I was going bonkers. Our equipment manager's from New Jersey. He was going bonkers. We had each other to embrace uh, on that final stand. I went back and watched some of the game then the other night when I got home, just some big plays, some moments. Uh, I wanted to get a sense of the energy and excitement, but you were there in the house, so you tell me how rocking was the link. It was, it was, it was electric. You know, everybody had their rally towels rolling, and uh, the defense set the stage, and the crowd just was in it from start to finish, from the first quarter all the way to the last play. I mean, when the Eagles had to kick that field goal to make it a 15-10 game, you know, Doug Peterson was kind of weighing the decision, do I go for it and then try the field, or do I make it a 15, you know, up by five, then they'd have to score a touchdown to win the game. And the last drive, so many times the Eagles, throughout the course of the day, were good at getting off the field, but they just couldn't get that stop. Then there was, you know, the review of the Muhammad Sanu catch, and it was it was pure theater, man. And to come down to fourth and two, it, it's nice that the Eagles kind of had a great beat on the play call. Thank you, Steve Sarkeesian, for being mediocre at best as an <laughs> offensive yeah. coordinator in the NFL. Thank you very much. And uh, it was you know, everybody in place with hugs. It's nice that they were able to seal the deal. We knew the defense was going to be a big part of that. And uh, moving on to this week, you give yourself a chance for the right to go to the Super Bowl. How amazing is that? It's pretty special because, again, I, I don't think the Vikings, as much as they're playing with house money, I feel like the Eagles are kind of in the same boat. I know they were the number one seed, but when you lose essentially your franchise player and when you're – facing a team that was just in the Super Bowl last year at home, and nobody's giving you a shot outside of the locker room. Nobody's giving you a shot. Most of Philadelphia jumped ship, let's be honest. Um, for these guys to accomplish what they've accomplished, win or lose, this has been an awesome season and a memorable season and a productive season. Now, yeah, that mean, doesn't mean we... that any of us want it to come to an end, but if they do, I feel like it'll be a different reaction if they are unable to beat the Vikings. I feel like it would be a different reaction from the city, from the fan base. Like, when, when the game ended at, at the Vet, the last game at the Vet, and the Buccaneers are moving on to the Super Bowl, there wasn't anybody that was, like, one of those, all right, well, we cheer the guys. It was a hard-fought effort. 
And again, I'm not expecting that to be the case, but I think long-term, as a city looks back at this season, however far they end up going, it is a year that you can be proud of and hang your hat on. Fair? Listen, Steve, it's been a remarkable season all year. And the one thing that it it provides the city of Philadelphia and all the Philadelphia sports fans out there is hope. Yeah. You know, the fact that we have something special building here and that the future looks so bright for years to come. You get the franchise quarterback back in the fold to go along with all the pieces and the parts that this front office has done such a great great job assembling. And let's give the coach, Doug Peterson, some credit. Yeah, amen. You know, I doubted him, but I mean, I'll tell you what. I never did, remember? <laughs> no, nah, never, not at all. <laughs> Poopy Peterson? Yeah, never wanted the guy hired. Job. Didn't think he could coach uh, his way out of a paper bag at times last year. Yeah. He has shown, but, he has shown improvement. He has shown change. And the players, I've just, I've said this for a long time. This this season, I've said this for a long time. The players love playing for him, and that is something, especially in this sport, in the NFL, when you have to have so many guys from different personalities, backgrounds, salaries, different resumes, and career yeah. accomplishments. You gotta have them buy in. Position coaches. And at the end of the day, he's the head of the monster. As much as Wentz is, Poopy Peterson has done a very, very nice job. He may win Coach of the Year honors, um, yeah, and they love playing should. for him, man. And and I, and, look, you know, I was wrong. Look at the first game of the season. Is that Joe O'Donnell or is that Mike Lombardi on the line? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, I look at the first game of the season. They dump Gatorade on the guy because he comes out and gets criticized by Mike Lombardi, who's now writing for the Ringer, which will probably be out of business any day now. <laughs> You're right. They love him. They love him because he gets their backs. You can tell he has a great relationship with them, but you can also tell that if he has to get after them, they can, they respect him. And if you can bring that combination of love and respect, you know, with your team, and I think that's what they have here. This is a special team, Joe. I know they lost their quarterback, but there's something about this team that's special, and it's 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 just fun to be a part of. And if they go down swinging hard against the Vikings, we can all look back and be like, you know what? That was a damn good season. You know, everybody at the start of the year was predicting this team to go, you know, nine and seven. They're going to be five hundred, right? Nine and six, eleven and five, best case scenario, and to win as many games as they did, and 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 get another playoff win. You know, that's your first playoff win in what? Ten years? I know, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah. But it's, you yeah. know, 2008 Giants, was the last time they went to the championship game, right? Yeah, Jeff Garcia. He's our baby. Oh, I think gosh. that was the last. <laughs> it's an amazing ride. So so safe for this team. And listen, they embraced that underdog role. Yeah, they did. Keep that rolling. I mean, keep it rolling. All the way to the promised land. Thought, other it. thoughts on the divisional win. 15-10, it wasn't always pretty, <sighs> but they got it done. We talked about a running game. Uh, staying yeah. with the running game well, even when that wasn't going well. We talked about defense. Those two things happen. Foles made enough plays down the stretch. We both thought he'd throw some touchdown passes. Didn't happen, yeah. but it didn't need to. Um, what else jumps out yeah, about the divisional just, win? Well, I mean, his commitment to the run on first down. Now, I know he barely got any type of yards. You know, they, but they just continued throughout the course of the game. And when the Eagles run the ball over 25 times per game, their success rate, they're, they're virtually unbeatable. The other miracle, too, you know, in that game was the fact that they were able to overcome two turnovers. Yep. That was huge. Yeah, it was sloppy early. Turned the ball over, 
when you turn the ball over in a playoff game like that, chances are you are not going to win the football game if you're a minus two. And they were able to do that. And this week, they got to clean some things up. They can't turn the ball over. And let's hope that they're very opportunistic on defense and cause some of those turnovers, which I think will turn the tide of the game. Let's jump now to the opponent because the Minnesota Vikings, it looked like for a while were coming to town. Then it looked like for a few minutes they had no business coming to town. Then it looked like they were literally dead to rights. And then the miracle in Minneapolis occurs. Um, in fact, I, I've, I've, I've known, not known, but I've talked to Paul Allen. I've interviewed him before. He's the Vikings radio voice. I almost texted him and said, hey, do you think you'd have some time for our podcast but it was kind of late night, kind of last minute, and I was like, I'm just going to leave the guy alone. I'm sure he's busy. But he had a great yeah. call on the radio. In fact, I thought Joe Buck did a nice job on the TV side, and you know I hate his guts. Um, yeah. But the miracle play sends the Vikings to Philadelphia. Uh, I guess let's just start with you know your take on what you saw the final seconds of that wild game. Well, the final seconds that game cost me seven hundred fifty dollars. So if you really would, well, I guess I know how then. you feel about it. Then, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, it's but, just uh, crazy. It, it, and, and watching that play back, it, you feel for the Saints' safety. I, obviously, the more I watched it, the more I thought, you know, I don't think he was trying to do anything other than not get a pass interference penalty. And, and I guess that now that's come to light. That's what his thought process was. Last minute, he's thinking, oh, I can't touch this guy. At the end of the day, yeah. he should have just hammered him. Let the officials make the call. And the Vikings have to just try a field goal. Well, well, how about a regular form tackle? There was so much space for him to move up and just hold the guy up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you look at that route tree, there were three receivers on that side of the football, and they each did, like, first receiver went 10 yards, and he cut to the sideline. Second receiver, 20 yards. Third receiver, Stephon Diggs. Deep. It just, my God, you just, you can't tackle anybody if you can't see them. And, he just dipped out of there, and then he pinballed his own yeah. player, the only other guy in the area that would have a chance to maybe run Stephon Diggs down from behind. It was a crazy play. It was an unbelievable finish. But one thing that I looked at is, listen, you know, Minnesota had that team dead to rights at halftime. It was 17 nothing, But then they had Drew Brees on the other side. And it just goes to show what type of quarterback Drew Brees is. Yeah, He brings that team all the way back, and you're like, Okay, who would you rather face? Yes, who's got a better defense? Well, the Vikings definitely have a better defense than New Orleans Saints. But when you look at quarterback play, who would you rather face? Case Keenum or Drew Brees? I think it's quite simple. I think you'd rather face Case Keenum. Yeah. And he's never seen a defense like this. You know, I read a crazy or I heard a crazy stat. When Case Keenum was under pressure in that game. No, when he was not under pressure. And when I speak of pressure, I'm referring to QB pressure, QB hurries, and, and obviously sacks, okay? So when that didn't take place, his QB rating was 116. When Case Keenum was pressured, it was five. That's right. I didn't say 50. I said five. <laughs> yeah. So the proof is in the pudding right there. Like, this is the game where the Eagles defensive line needs to bring it again and dominate. Because I don't think the Vikings, offensive line is that talented. Yeah, so. and I agree. And I, I think that the atmosphere at Lincoln Financial Field, and, and you know better than me because you're going to be there, but I, it's going to yeah. be off the charts. And that is something else to account into play when you're talking about the Vikings. <laughs> if the Eagles can stop the run, which on paper they should be able to do, it's not a knock on the Vikings, just that's the Eagles' MO. If they can stop the run, and as you said, if they can get after Case Keenum, I'm sorry. 
I don't know that that building, that this city, that, that Philadelphia is going to let this opportunity slip away. I, I just don't see it. I'm sorry. And I know we're going to get to our prediction at some point, but I just have this, I just have this feeling that the Eagles are not going to let this opportunity slip away. And it's going to be part crowd. It's going to be part game planning. It's going to be part their moxie, that it factor I talked about with you last week on the podcast. This team has it. And I just feel like they know what they need to do on Sunday. They get the extra day to prepare, meaning the Vikings played Sunday. Guess what the Eagles were doing on Monday? They were getting back to work. Guess what the Vikings were doing Monday morning? Shaking off a hangover. That is a big 24-hour window in the National Football League. That's a great point you bring up. Yeah, and I think... You know, one of the other things I look at is, and then again, I heard another stat. You know, teams that have been dome teams to, to come and play outdoors and try to win a championship, their success rate is zero. And I just, there's just certain things that, that set up very well. And I'm just, for some reason, you're right. They have that if factor, man. And the stadium, and I've said it to many people, people, and people might call me crazy, but like a couple of years ago, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, they decide to enclose two other ends of the state. And for me, being a season ticket holder and being there since the day the link opened, I can't tell you the difference. And I would love to know the numerical difference as far as decibel level goes from when the stadium was at full capacity with, you know, the three open ends of the stadium to where now there's only one open end. Because they closed in two other sections. They made the Miller Lake flight deck and they had another section. It added about 3,000 more seats to the stadium, and it's just deafening down there. And when people all saw stuff at 645 being the late game, the place is going to go bonkers. And I think the key for them is they have to get off to a quick start. We almost saw it live and in color. They go with the huge, let's take that down the field shot, Joe. What happened? We've been talking about it for weeks on this darn podcast. Get a pass interference ball. Then J.H.I., like you predicted last, <laughs> yeah. put the ball on the carpet. Yeah. My God. But that's the type that they can get off to a start. See, the Vikings have been a team where, okay, they play really well and they have the lead in a football game. But if you can jump on them early, you've got a great opportunity to beat them. And it's, it's going to be a huge test. I mean, the Vikings' defense is stellar. They're stellar in every aspect. They have a great defensive line. They have great linebackers. They're secondary. They have one of the top five corners, Xavier Rhodes, in all the games. And their safeties, Harrison Smith. And we did get news this week that it looks like Andrew Sandejo, he was the safety, the starting safety for the Minnesota Vikings, who was knocked out of, you know, last Sunday's game. It looks like he's clearing concussion protocol and he's gonna be it and he's gonna be playing in the game, which was very significant if you watch. Once Sandale went out of that game against the New Orleans Saints, they were able to open things up in the passing game big time. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, Foles has just got to. Foles just has to do what you know what he did. Like just you know, just take your, make some throws, but you know, don't do anything too crazy. And so we'll see what happens. But, I, I like the way uh, that they played with some tempo. Something you suggested they do last week on the podcast as that second half moved along. Those read. You know, the run-pass options where Foles gets into a little yeah. bit of rhythm. He can hit Ertz for 15. He can hit Aguilar on a slant. He can throw it to Jeffrey down the sideline. That's when the Eagles start rolling. That's when the crowd gets behind him. You can put the defense on its heels. And I think that's going to be important for the Eagles uh, on Sunday. It, it doesn't 
look, you're going to have to hit on a chunk player too, right? You're going to have to have some big plays. It's the only way you win football games of this magnitude. But can they get the Vikings on their heels a bit? Let's let's be real about this. Minnesota hasn't had a whole lot of adversity this year. Very similar to the Eagles. They had a great regular season. After they got Case Keenum settled at quarterback, they haven't had to deal with a lot. They haven't faced very many top defenses. They haven't been outside in the cold weather. They haven't had the pressure of a huge game outside of last week. The Eagles had to go to Seattle. The Eagles had to play the Carolina Panthers. The Eagles had to... Had to you play know, at the Rams. Right. They yeah. had to play at the Rams. They had the Falcons come to their building. They had to deal with the adversity of losing Carson Wentz late in the season when he was already established as an MVP candidate. I feel like the Eagles are better served for a big game situation. Again, could they lose? Sure. Maybe they don't execute. Maybe somebody's the GOAT. Not in a good way, the GOAT. But like, you know, like Marcus Williams or whatever his name was from the Saints. Maybe there's a guy that just that just blows it for the birds and that's the end of the season. I, I, you can't predict that. But there's an opportunity for them to be great on Sunday, and I just have a feeling they're going to make the most of that opportunity. And I think it's also imperative that the defense, in order to put some points up against this heralded defense of the Minnesota Vikings, our defense has to turn them over so that we have some short fields to work with to yep. be able to score touchdowns. All right, who is the hero for the Eagles on Sunday? You want mine first? You know what? Yeah, go ahead. You go first, man. That's a tough one. Go I am, go. I am once again believing in the Church of Foles. I think Nick Foles steps up on Sunday. He makes enough plays to win the game. I'm not saying it's going to be a, a scramble for 30 yards. I'm not. I just think he's going to be efficient. He's going to take what's in front of him. And if the offensive line gives him the time to operate, which they've proven they can do, again, they're facing a front like they haven't faced before. The Vikings get after it every spot defensively, but especially third down. Vikings defense tops in the league in third down. But if you can make some plays on first and second down, keep the chains moving, build some momentum, I think Nick Foles proves to be the hero for the Eagles on Sunday and doesn't cap the storybook, but adds one more chapter to it. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Brandon Graham. I think Brandon Graham, he comes out and he shows the world why he's one of the top defensive ends in all football why he was an absolute Pro Bowl snub this year. And I think I think he has three sacks in the game, and I think he has one strip sack that leads to a fumble, and the Eagles are going to pick it up and score six on it. So I'm going with BG, Brandon Graham. I love it. What's the front page headline on Monday in Philadelphia? Here it is. You ready? I'm ready. Here it is. Oops, we did it again. We're hoisting the trophy all in dogmatic. <laughs> I love it. That would be a great photo with the conference championship trophy and Lane Johnson, Chris Long, and the rest of the fellows wearing dog masks. You, you know they sold yeah. out those masks. Yeah, they put them back at Amazon. Re, Amazon had to restock them. Restock them. And, and, and the Eagles did a great thing. They didn't shut their fans out. They said, if you want to bring the dog mask in, bring them in. My, uh, my front page headline is going to read something like this. Uh, Take two, a rematch, something like you said, we did it again. Because as much as I'd like to see the Jacksonville Jaguars win, I think we could have ourselves a rematch of the Super Bowl from that magical season with T.O. and company, Eagles-Patriots, as Brady and Belichick look to further cement their legacy in Minnesota a couple weeks from now. So what is it, Reed? What's your headline? Some type of of take two or a rematch, something more creative than that. 
uh, okay. obviously. But I, I'm predicting a Birds win, a Patriots win, and some form of got we got another shot at these guys, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, whatever it's been. All right, you got a final score? Yeah, I do. Uh, final score, Eagles 24, Vikings 13. That's my final score, to a T. Really? Yes. That's and if you look at it, the Vikings – the Vikings. They don't call this the Belly Love Podcast. <laughs> the Vikings score about a touchdown less on the road this year than they do at home, and the Eagles are giving up right about 13 points a game this year at the link. So that's where I'm thinking the Vikings are around 13. I think the Eagles score a couple of times. They kick a Jake. Uh, Jake Elliott kicks a field goal. 24-13 the final. Let's hope we're both right. All right, let's jump to our final segment, Johnny Media. Here's so we wrap up the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Belove Podcast at Belove Podcast. Email us Brotherly Love Podcast at yahoo.com. On the fly, it's always a uh, a surprise for both of us. You said you got a really good on the fly for me, so I'm ready when you are. If the Eagles were miraculously to find a way to win a Super Bowl this season, would it lessen it by any bit due to the fact that Carson Wentz wasn't the guy that won the Super Bowl? No. In fact, I said this earlier. It makes it more of a story. It makes it a better story. It is the sweetest of victories for the entire city of Philadelphia ever, period, end of sentence. Now, here's my follow-up. After the Eagles get it done, which I told you months ago they would, and they win the <laughs> Super Bowl, Carson Wentz yeah. comes back, and they go on to win three more under his watch. I don't know how long of a span that'll be, but the Philadelphia Eagles are going to take over the NFC with Carson Wentz at the helm for the foreseeable future after the Church of Foles delivers the first prophecy. Love, love. All right, here you go, on the fly, and I'm switching gears big time. If you are the Philadelphia 76ers, what the hell do you do with Markel Fultz and his wacky jump shot? (laughs) Well, um, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I saw kind of Tim Legler break it down. I don't know if you saw that segment on Scott Van Pelt. Sports no, Center. I didn't. Did you see what, but I've been reading a lot well, about it. I saw the, the video. Uh, yeah. It's concerning from afar, my friend. So so break it down for me. So what I would do is, you know, bottom line is this, right? At the back, they're going to be an AC, regardless of how well Foles, Foles comes back in place. If he's experiencing that much pain in his shot, I think it's a combination. Tim Legler made a good point. It's probably a combination of both. He's still feeling feeling that lingering pain, and then he's trying to adjust his shot. You might have to just break it down and start over because last night I'm watching Sports Center and they're talking about the McDonald's All American All American game selections or whatever, and I see some highlights and I see Markel Fultz pull up for a jump shot when he was in high school, and his form was totally fluid. Like if you watch the kid in college shoot. I mean, now his, his jump shot looks like Charles Barkley's golf swing. I think if you don't want to subject the kid to harassment, the whole town knows that we sat people before for entire years. But maybe you need to get with the great shot doctor, Coach Herb McGee from Philadelphia University. Now it's maybe South Jefferson University. But I think I might sit him for a year until he gets his shoulder completely healthy and just starts over with his jump shot. And maybe Ben Simmons could start over right there with him. But I, I just it's so hard to fathom a guy that has had that much confidence, has played at an elite level from – and he's such a diligent, hard worker. He's got great work ethic. Like, I can't believe something is so simple. And let's face it, you know, 
it's not it's not easy to be a great shooter. It's just so hard to fathom. It's like riding a bike. It's like so much muscle memory and so much repetition. It's just so hard to believe that he has like a case of the yips, like that, that he can't do it or he forgets how to do it. That's why I think there's some other type of lingering issue because the kid never shot like that. I watched him play 10 times on TV when he was at University of Washington and his jump shot, there's like three different types of motion in his shot and it should be one fluid motion. So if I'm the 76ers, they just signed Darius Jackson, the former guard from, uh, or Demetrius Jackson from Notre Dame. I think they're going to shut him down the rest of the year and build him back up. There it is. Johnny Mita delivering the goods. Always a good time, brother. We appreciate all the love and support out there on the for the Brotherly Love podcast. Let's get it done, man. This is is our time. Bring the noise. Bring the pain this weekend. Bring the, like Wu Tang says, the ruckus. We won't go into the expletives, but let's let's have it this week so we can just, you know, get one step closer. That's it. I'm so fired up, man. I'm so fired up. Go Birds, E-A-G-L-E-S. Let's hope they can deliver the promised land and get us back to another Super Bowl, my friend. Amen, brother. All right, with that, we'll sign off for John Meadham, Joe O'Donnell. Sunday, we'll let it sort itself out. Till next time on the Brotherly Love Podcast. We'll see you.